0: The views and opinions of the guest and host you hear are not necessarily those of the staff and management of Radio 1, its sponsors or advertisers.
1: to thank the people that are here to support this bill. Where y'all at? Okay. And I also would like to give thanks to all these petitioners, because we actually consulted the people in the neighborhood. We got there, you know, we wanted to know how they felt about what was going on in their communities. Unlike a lot of these agencies, we actually consulted the people in the communities, okay? And we got almost a thousand names uh, on these uh, petition forms. Some of them are still out. So, and what the petition says is, To to Mayor Pugh, the Baltimore City Council, Governor Hogan, the Maryland State Legislature, and the U.S. Congress, yes, I agree that we should, one, end the displacement of people from their neighborhoods and end the destruction of their communities just to give land and tax subsidies to developers and investors. Two, introduce the the 1% interest renovation slash rebuilding loan dollar house dollar lot program because the house will be built from the ground up. For the individual citizen, as a fairest way to ensure funds earmarked for the community are used to help the people who actually live there with training, jobs, and home ownership. Number three, end the destruction of the remaining affordable housing stock in Baltimore, a city with a documented lack of affordable housing.
2: I've seen people walking around the streets scared to death. But you know what? they live in a decent house that they will eventually have a deed to they straighten up their back they have a little bit of pride if you see those brothers slinging on the corner if they had a trade they could know how to go and make a decent living and not have to run from the police we have a murder rate of almost 300 young people in this city, suppose somebody gave a tenth of them a job, where they could take a paycheck to the bank and cash it for real dollars, and suppose me, a 68 year lady doesn't have to worry I gotta get out of here before it gets too dark. Do you hear me? Do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying is real simple. Help the brother that's trying to help the rest of us. We got his back. And if you play your cards right, we'll have your back. We've got to be
0: the the, the lightning rod in this nation. Because every urban city in this country, through conspiracies, find themselves with thousands of abandoned houses don't tell me that's not by design we've got to break out of that genocidal approach to people who want to live and have a right to, to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness let there be no doubt justice delayed is justice denied
2: change
0: again
2: change alone.
0: Another special
1: edition to Call Tyrone Show, and I'm your humble host, Tyrone Boast. And uh, we're here. Um, first of all, um, I want to mention that uh, uh, Baba Dick Gregory made his transition today, exactly a year ago in 2018. <clears throat> I got a chance to meet Dick Gregory when he was here, and I was talking to him about the situation with the housing and how... You know, this housing can be put to better use and re- revitalized and be used to generate jobs and affordable housing. And that, that today's affordable housing is uh, today's vacant housing is tomorrow's affordable housing. And you know what he said to me? And I've, I've told the story more than once. He said, you know why they're turning these houses down? And I said, no, Mr. Gregory, why are they, Why are they doing it? And he said, again, he said, do you know why they turn these houses down instead of restoring them for your community? And I said, no, Mr. Gregory why are they doing it? And he said, because you're letting them. And he jabbed me in my chest. <laughs> and it was very painful, by the way. Um, and uh, yeah, I was a very, very, very strong brother, and he was a, he was, um, he was a warrior to the end, as far as uh, the rights and uh, justice for all people. All people. <laughs> okay, so uh, one of the things that transpired on the weekend is we got a chance to go to the uh, Marcus Garvey Festivals Parade and all that, and Brother Charles Duggar, I gotta give all credit to him, has been participating in this thing for over 40 years. And uh, he's been very vigilant about keeping the memory of Marcus Garvey alive. Marcus Garvey, during his heyday, had uh, 11 million members and, uh, in 40 different countries. And also, he, was, he had 3 million people in Baltimore. I mean, not Baltimore, I'm sorry, in the United States. <laughs> not Baltimore. 3 million people, 3 million black people in the United States that were willing to go back to Africa. You know, at a time when they were having lynchings in the South almost daily and rapings of black women as well. A lot of people don't talk about that, but a lot of times people would come out of the South not only just for economic opportunities. When their daughters came of age, um, they would come out of the South for fear that she would be raped. And um, <clears throat> uh, there was a lot of rapes with the um, domestics and things of that nature. So um, that, that, that whole racist history and slavery and, and uh, Jim Crow Carries uh, a very hard weight for our people, and, and and sometimes it's very disturbing to talk about. But uh, that being the case, um, as as uh, another people would say, um, never we never forget, we never want to forget. So and, and they're correct about that. Um, but the, the thing about the beauty you're saying, why are we worry about Marcus Garvey? Okay, Marcus Garvey had an effect not just on Jamaicans because he was Jamaican. There's a lot of people that were influenced by Marcus Garvey. You had Malcolm X. His father was a Garveyite before he was killed by the KKK. You had even Dr. King was a Garveyite. A lot of people um, don't know that, but um, not a Garveyite, but he was in, heavily influenced by um, Marcus Garvey. And uh, Elijah Muhammad was heavily uh, influenced. The founder of the uh, Nation of Islam was, uh, um, was uh, a, uh, heavily influenced by Garvey. You also Af- had African leaders that got their independence. You had uh, Patrice uh, Lumumba, you had uh, um, uh, Qu- uh, Kwame N- uh, Nkrumah. That was the uh, first president of Ghana. They used to call it the Gold Coast, but he was the first president of Ghana. You had Jomo Kenyatta, you know. So you had, you had several, and Nelson Mandela, by the way. So you had several African um, leaders that actually gained their country's independence from colonial slavery uh, that were heavily influenced by Marcus Garvey, who wanted— um, uh, to bo- build a Pan-African brotherhood, because he realized that you know the Pharaoh, unlike unlike uh, the Israelites of old, the Pharaoh was on both sides of the Red Sea. So in that way, he wanted to secure a place that black people could go and and, be, and finally be free. And it didn't look too good back then. It didn't look too promising back in the twenties because that's right after the movie Birth of a Nation, which was really a recruiting poster. For the KKK, and the KKK really had that rise. There were like 20 million um, members. Um, I'm sorry, five million members of the KKK identified during that time, and they actually did a march on Washington <laughs> during that time in the, in the 20s. They, the KKK, yes, in full regalia, they did a march on Washington. Okay, it was like it was a nonviolent march. It was just uh, well, it was it was nonviolent. Donald Trump's father, by the way, got arrested at a KKK rally. So. That's to show you the power of the KKK back in those days. In some towns, you couldn't be a sheriff, you couldn't be a mayor, you couldn't be any political official, not even a dog catcher, unless you were a member of the KKK back in, back in, the, uh, in the Old South during, that, during the time of Jim Crow. And the effect was to try to keep black people from voting. They had all kinds of poll taxes and all kinds of poll tests. And they would ask you questions on tests like how many bubbles is, is in this bottle of uh, soap detergent, you know, stuff like that that you can't possibly answer. You know, <laughs> so so don't think, uh, oh, well, they shouldn't have voted because they, they were stupid. No, the tests were rigged so that you can't possibly pass the test and the whites weren't given the same test anyway. So, yeah, and they're still they're still trying to rig the boats that the, the Republicans were caught on um, on tape saying that they had to figure out a fair way to um, you know come up with some way to. uh um Shortcut the black vote, and one of the ways is voter ID. You know, they would have these, and in the South, they would have some of these voter ID laws where they were trying to get where they would they would actually close down the NVAs close to black people, <laughs> you know, and say that that a government ID wasn't real, um, you know, wasn't real ID. So you have their driver's license, then they shut down the NVA, and guess what? <laughs> you ain't voting because you gotta, you don't have a car, you got to drive to three counties away in Hickville where they don't like you and get your um, driver's license. So there are all kinds of tricks. On the surface, these things sound fair. Like, um, I did, Well, you know, the average person would say, what's the problem with um, having an ID? But the, when, when you start adding the tricks, they find out that these things actually work to discourage uh, people of color from voting. So, yeah, they're, they're quite effective, and these people know what they're doing when they come up with these laws. And that's why the Voters' Rights Act has to be renewed to stop people from doing these things. you got to ask permission now to change the, uh, any law within the state concerning voting because of things like that. Okay, so um, the first thing we want to talk about and uh, this is getting back to the the um, there was a lot of mention of Africa during the uh, Marsh Garvey Festival and um, okay, so Dr. King actually visited um, Africa. A lot of people don't know that. He visited Africa in, in 1957 before he was, before March on Washington, before all that. And he actually gave a speech. was called Birth of a Nation. The speech was called Birth of a, of a New Nation. And um, uh, so um, uh, Jason, let's look at uh, what um, Marcus Garvey um, found. I mean, not not Marcus Garvey. That's what uh, Dr. King found out in uh, clip twenty-one. Uh, corner <laughs> twenty-one.
3: For years and for centuries, Africa has been one of the most exploited continents in the history of the world. Been the dark continent. Been the continent that has suffered all of the pain and the affliction that could be mustered up by other nations that is that continent which has experienced slavery, which has experienced all of the lowest standards that we can think about and brought into being by the exploitation inflicted upon it by other nations. This country, the Gold Coast, was a part of this extensive continent known as Africa. It's a little country there in West Africa, about 91,000 miles in area, with a population of about 5 million people, a little more than 4.5 million. It stands there with its capital city, Accra. For years, the Gold Coast was exploited and dominated and trampled over.
1: So you see why these countries became... SO countries, because the people that had the control of the world markets actually put them in that situation. You have situations in Africa where people are dying, you know, literally dying of starvation, laying beside a diamond the size of your fist. Okay, so Africa is the richest continent, and Garvey realized this, in in the universe, at least in this quadrant of the galaxy. And, um, you know, they can't, the people, for whatever reason, they can't seem to exploit that wealth to help people in Africa. And it sounds a lot like Baltimore. In, in some ways, so there's some ties. That's why they call Baltimore "Little Africa." There's a lot of people benefiting from um, Baltimore and the things in Baltimore, but they don't really con- contribute to the working class uh, lifestyle in Baltimore. So, what we're going to do uh, again? Um, we're going to do another another uh, exploration of uh, of Africa, and um, what we what we want to do. Because when I was at the festival, they were talking about everybody was going on on about how we were black kings and queens in Africa. I mean, everybody wasn't king and queen. We had some carpenters and plumbers, right? We had some warriors. Somebody had to do that work. Everybody can't be a king and queen, okay? I get it. I get self-esteem. But everybody, I mean, we can't all be kings and queens, okay? But even if we were, let me show you how the real kings and kings of Africa roll. So, Jason, we let's show these people how the real kings and queens Of Africa Roll, number 22.
3: He was imprisoned on the basis of sedition. He was placed there to stay in prison for many years, but he had inspired some people outside of prison. They got together just a few months after he had been in prison and elected him the prime minister while he was in prison, for a while the British officials tried to keep him there. And Bedimer says one of his uh, close associates, the minister of finance, Mr. Bedimer, said that 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 night the people were getting ready to go down to the jail and get him out. But Bedmer said, this isn't the way. We can't do it like this. Violence will break out and we will defeat our purpose. But the British Empire saw that they had better let him out this is me, me more the first than anything else that Brown. night was the fact that when Nkrumah walked in and his other ministers who had been in prison with him they didn't come in with the crowns and all of the garments of kings but they walked in with prison cats and the coats that they had lived with For all of the months that they had been in prison, Cromer stood up and made his closing speech to Parliament with the little cap that he wore in prison for several months and the coat that he wore in prison for several months and all of his ministers round about him. That was a great hour, old Parliament passing away. And then at 12 o'clock that night, we walked out. And we walked out, we noticed all over the polo grounds, almost a half a million people. This was a new nation now, a new nation being born. And when Prime Minister Nkrumah stood up before his people out in the polo ground and said, we are no longer a British car. We are the free sovereign people. All over that vast throng of people, we could see tears. I stood there thinking about so many things. Before I knew it, knew it I started weeping. I was
1: primed for joy. Okay, so you can see how the real kings of Africa roll. When they came out of prison, they, they they elected that man. They elected that man uh, prime minister while he was in jail. He had they had put him in jail for sedition because he refused to follow British rule any longer, and they declared that that country is going to be free. So they put him in jail for being um, a seditious. and he was willing to go to jail for that, and uh, for a very long time. But the people rose up, and uh, well, they elected him the um, uh, prime minister and they rose up and decided to free him but um, the uh, the minister that was in charge um, was saying don't do that because it's just going to create a whole lot of violence and uh, he'll never get free and we'll never get our freedom as a nation so they put pressure on the British and the British saw what was going on and they thought it was in their best interest to at least look like they were doing the right thing and they, they ended up freeing him. and when he came to that podium he wasn't wearing a crown like a king He's wearing that prison cap that he wore him and his ministers because his ministers were jailed, too. And that's how people that's what it means to stand up, to stand up for what you believe in. These people are willing to go to jail. And Dr. King himself, little did he know, would be in jail, you know, later on in his life. You know, because you, if you ever look at you don't even have to look at films about it. you can go to the library, and get your book on the civil rights movement. And you'll see um, black um, young black uh, men and women being bitten by uh, German shepherds. OK, stand up for their rights. And for, the, for a lot of the things that we enjoy today, some of us, you know, because uh, we still have a, a large uh, underclass that um, we've seen a lot of the middle class blacks have seemed to abandon, you know, town to town. And, um, you know, so we got to look out, as I've said before, when once you once you reach where you have been seeking and once you arrive, you know, the true American dream, if you want to be a, reach the real American dream, is to try to win for others. Not just win for yourself. That's the selfish version of the American dream. Right? Try to win for others that are less fortunate than yourself. You know, because the war, the more winners we have in this country, the better off we all are. Okay. So, okay, that being the case, what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about. We talked about um, in the last couple of weeks how um, um, all this, a lot of this blight was was uh, caused by um, the uh, subprime scandal where blacks were uh, were targeted. And it was admitted to by CEOs. Were targeted with these subprime uh, mortgages, and um, and they were given mortgages, uh, subprime mortgages, even though they qualified for prime mortgages. So they were giving these expensive mortgages, these ARMs, and these uh, interest-only loans. And then they they would pretend like their houses were piggy banks and taking the equity out of the houses, and with these loans that they couldn't possibly pay once they ballooned up. So let's say you're paying three hundred dollars a month, and three years later you're paying three thousand dollars a month to try, try to repay the loan. That you were um, kind of manipulating to getting. Now I know people will say, "Well, why didn't you read the small print?" Okay, how about if that was your grandmother? Would you want her? To read? And I saw real estate. Those um, those documents that you they have you sign hardly anybody reason, White or black? I mean, because there's so many of them. I mean, there's just so many. You'll be there all night. Okay, so you got to give some degree of trust to the people that are dealing with you. And in that case, you know, we trusted a lot of, a lot of white folk in this mortgage industry. And I'm not I'm not on, I'm not hating on whites, but I hate on white supremacy. And we ended up in a whole lot of trouble, you know, and, and people that owned their house for years and some for generations in these neighborhoods lost their homes behind that. That and water bills and ground rent and other schemes to get these blocks vacated so they can tear them down. And eventually, I guess they gonna give the land away to, to uh, developers, along with your tax dollars, by the way. So what we're going to talk about is how John Hopkins did it, you know, depopulation, the, uh, the John Hopkins way, the old-fashioned way, you know, where you use your corporate power to uh, Get what you want, and that's this is why they call justification a form of oppression. Is because uh, rich people pretty much will spin you into the ground to get what they want. And the new trend now is what they call urban uh, walkability. Okay, in other words, you're close to your job, you're close to where you go to school, and it's, it's, you know, and the people that are living there uh, now to be damned. You know, if you need that land, <laughs> you got the money. I mean you can and in the case of John Hopkins the, the uh, if you go to the 711 near there it's more expensive than a regular 711 the Walgreens is too expensive for you you know deliberately because they don't want you around there they want you, and they don't take and they definitely don't take any um uh, food stamp cards you know so this is the type of devices that they use to uh to keep you um out of that neighborhood besides uh making these uh house, making the housing too expensive for you to afford in the first place so what we're going to do is uh, we're gonna talk about number 16, um, sharecroppers of the Middle East, because this neighborhood in, in, um, in Baltimore was known, was known as the Middle East that John Hopkins um, abounded.
4: Uh, during the 70s, not many people know that Hopkins was also the major landlord in that area. So what does that mean? That means that Hopkins owned many of the properties there. So what does that mean? That means that in an area where you have, in a capitalist society, where you grow and yeah. you expand in order to continue to grow and your your power, so I'm take you're going to coffee. have to keep okay. expanding. So if you have a, an entity, an institution that is a major landlord, what they are able to do and what they did was as time came and they wanted more land to expand, people would have to leave. So you see, this was part of the, that resulted in part of the abandonment of Middle East area, is that because Hopkins owned the, uh, much of the land in the area As they needed more land People's lease were let uh, Interviewed many residents Elderly residents Who would talk about They were just It was a matter of time Before they'd have to go Because they lived They lived in a Hopkins property
1: Okay that woman was uh, Marcella Gomez She has a Master of Science At the University of Mexico Of New Mexico rather A PhD and an, an, From Don Hopkins An MD A medical M.D. from John Hopkins. So she's a doctor as well, a medical doctor as well. And she has a Master of Public Health at John Hopkins University. Okay? So I think she knows a little bit about what she's talking about. So I don't, I mean, whoever wants to call and challenge this, I don't think uh, you want going to get much head- headway trying to um, disagree with this woman who spent a, a great uh, deal of her time trying to study this, this, these processes that actually um, depopulated um, the Middle East, adjacent to John Hopkins. So before we, um, I see I see you, Leo. Before we get to Leo, um, let's let's talk about how, and the reason that that thing's called the share, what I was talking about sharecroppers, those people consider themselves as the sharecroppers. They wait for the plantation to tell them when it's time for them to move because John Hopkins was the major landlord in that area. And um, they bought up a lot of the houses, and so they rented a lot of it out. So this is why when you're a renter, you have a lot less power than if you're a homeowner. So, but they got to the homeowners too eventually, using eminent domain. So let's talk about um, whether or not eminent domain helps communities as the law requires.
4: Uh, I think it would be hard to show And we're just using research dollars as an example. We're not talking about tax-exempt status for property taxes. We're not going to talk yet about that. Just money from the federal government for research. It would be hard to show that 90% of the research benefits the community provides a public good is what I'm saying. And,
5: and in the eminent domain law, the public good has to be for the community that's being kicked out. It's not right. just some generalized good for the community.
4: That's right. And that's what the Supreme Court decided was because more and more eminent domain is being used to build a stadium where people have minimum wage or temporary workers or, or have no good jobs with no benefits? How does that serve the public? How is that fair development? Or, or given to build a Macy's or a, a parking uh, garage or market-rate housing. How are we serving the public good? Well, what you, the argument you'll get back is that, well, we're, increa- we're increasing the tax from the community. Well, when you do things like tax increment funding, where you get subsidies for development, and you don't have to start paying into the city's tax funds for 20 years because you get a, a grant or subsidized to be a developer, you have to start doing the math, and you have to start figuring out that we're not doing the math to show how is the money that we're using really benefit the
1: public that's there okay it's and generally it's not the benefit in the working class people that they are displacing the law requires that but they've been ignoring the laws so this thing is actually criminal what they've been doing to that working- class neighborhood and I and I know a lot of you out there actually know people that have been impacted by this my ex-wife's mother lost her house and uh, she was asking for help and they gave her eleven thousand dollars for her house and you tell me that's fair you know what I'm saying <laughs> because she was holding out and they said well since all the houses are gone you know what? Um we'll give you eleven thousand, you know, call it a day. How's that? <laughs> but um the um the thing with uh, this this thing, it was totally deliberate. It was it's a social engineering is what it is. And uh they wanted to land and then John Hopkins, and they got it. And what from what I was told that well not what I read was, was um and uh he can call me if he wants to to correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I read, um the the uh city administration of the Martin O'Malley was trying to make Baltimore a college town, you know, and using John, institutions like John Hopkins on the east side and University of American, Maryland Medical Center on the, on the west side and, and facilities like that to try to um, make, bring us to fruition. Okay, let's get Leo on, see what Leo has to say. And by the way, the phone number, if you want to um, chime in, is 410 481 1010. 410 481
0: 1010. Good morning, Brother Tyrone Bose.
1: Hey, good morning, Mr. Lee. How are you doing there, sir?
0: I'm wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for keeping us on on track and and focused in a positive way. I I simply want to applaud and and exercise and exemplify and point out that Johns Hopkins University and the University of Maryland Medical System are still plantations. <laughs> 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 I agree. They, listen, they have it. Look, nothing has changed. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, we have are making yet. progress, and progress sometimes is a circle. We, we, we start out one place 20 years ago, 30 years, and come back to where we were uh, under the banner of uh, gentrification. Uh, and gentrification is, is, is another name for, uh, you know, uh, persecution of people. And, and, and eminent domain and all the things well, that you've mentioned. Well,
1: Leo, getting back to what you're saying, gentrification of, of, has, uh, has been identified as a social justice issue. So you're correct when you say that. I'm sorry, go on.
0: Yeah, well, I'm just saying that the, that the bottom line is that when we talk about institutional racism and all the uh, things <laughs> <attended laughs> that there too, we can't help <laughs> but be mindful of, of Henrietta Lacks,
6: Oh yeah, and, and remember
0: that Johns Hopkins didn't
6: didn't give the family their due, right?
0: But they uh, they uh, they benefited
1: from ourselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They stole they stole uh, property from the family and from from our people, as it were. And they're still stealing, and uh, they're being aided and abetted by the Greater Baltimore Committee. What I want to conclude in saying is that. When I hear African Americans or African people talking about the fact that they believe we cannot speak to uh, our situation without alluding to uh, the oppression, uh, then I have to say that it is not just on, on black people to uh, renounce uh, racism and not focus on self-development and self-empowerment on conversely we hear people say some of us say that not, well let's forget about white folks they're not responsible for our condition
1: yeah that's, not, just that's just nonsense
0: go ahead that's, and do our, do our own thing nonsense. well no we've got to do both <laughs> right you've got to do both you've got to protect control and society defend what you create what we have created and we've got to chart a course of self-determination as uh embraced and codified in the Kawaida doctrine of Kwanzaa, right, the first right. roots of the African harvest. And even and I even, was at the event even on Saturday, I left about three o'clock, but I started Leo, out at Ms. Le- Ms. in the morning with the uh, the red, black, and green flag, and ended up uh, there at that particular park. And I'm glad we're persevering this. Ms. We can do it better next time, and we will.
1: Miss Leo, more to your point about what you were saying that we just can't do it. I mean, even, I mean, just not ignore other people that could actually control the society and all the money and everything else we we contribute to the society.
0: That's right. uh, Elijah us. even
1: the great Elijah Muhammad asked for two states from the United States government. That's right. You know, he didn't, he, he understood that they actually control all the land. They control all the money. So, I mean, you can't just say, well, black people can do it alone. And even the city of Baltimore, when we're saying, let's go buy all these houses. If we can't do it without the mayor's approval, you know we can't do we can't get whole blocks of housing, whole blocks at a time is what we want, and make it affordable housing what without the mayor's and the and the, in the, the city, the powers to be in the Baltimore city, city allowing years ago us
0: was to send the mother to one plantation, the father to another, the children were split up. This we have been programmed. Now we can be deprogrammed, but it's a process of being well organized on how we and escape the the psychological bounds slavery, would still hold us dear, absolutely uh, hold us uh, and trap us. I should be saying. I agree. So uh, again, keep up the good work, uh, brother Bose. Uh, all I know is that if we persevere, we can win. Uh, we'll Self reflection is great, but we've got to have black folks who understand that whether you have a PhD or a master's degree. Doesn't mean that you're not black. You got to give back as a leader. You got to put your arms around black folks who have no degree and have a been in school. If, unless we continue to do that, classism and racism will destroy us. Absolutely. God bless.
1: God bless. Okay, uh, let's go to Randy.
7: Oh, yes, um, yes, sir. I want to know about if you can explain more about if. Let's, I'm gonna give you an example. If you if you work and get Social Security. And you let's say you make seven hundred dollars a month, okay? And you can't make a certain amount of money. They say if you work, let's say you work a job making twelve dollars an hour, you still have to give take some. They take some of the checks back from you. Can you explain why that is? And then why we're we not talking about that? The system is set up for failure. I give you another example. Let's say, for instance, you have a, a person that saved all their money. You know they gotten an old, and they got sick. Okay. They have to take, they would go in, you have to pay for the nursing home. They would take all your money out of the bank. That's why they tell old people to, to put their money in someone's name. Right. So the
6: system,
7: is set, the system is set up for failure. Well, we talk about all this stuff in the well, past. We've been trained. We to talk for, about the stuff that's now, that's going on, that's keeping us down. Well,
1: this is what, first of all, Randy, um, I, it, what you're saying is, actually, we are, are part of that. We've been trained to believe that health care shouldn't be a um a right. <laughs> we, we've accepted the fact that some people should get health care and other people shouldn't. We've accepted that. So, and people like no, Bernie Sanders... About, let me finish. People okay, like Bernie yes, Sanders sir. have been saying all the time you and a little bit warned that healthcare care should be a right. And it should be. You shouldn't have to spend your last savings trying to stay alive in a country as wealthy as the United States while, while rich people don't have to worry about
7: it. You know, no, why should well, they? I was trying to say a person I'm sorry. that works and get social security i'm talking about you work i'm, sorry, I'm talking about if you work security, or if you right? don't
1: work you shouldn't be
7: you still, if you get social security you know, you're you know what i'm saying sir is if you work and get social, social security you are only allowed to, you can't work and make a certain amount they would take the social security back what i'm trying to say and that shouldn't be you should be able to keep whatever you work without giving it back i you agree what I'm saying according
1: to you, i agree with that so the system should change, and why don't we talk about that? It's not going to change by itself, brother. You're going to have to agitate to get that change. You know, it's not going to change by itself because we, like I said before, we've been trained to accept. It's already. Let me finish. Let me we finish. we talking about it?
8: We've been why trained. We talking
1: about all this stuff in the past let, when we let, talk sir, about stuff that's
7: happened to us sir, right now? Sir, let me finish. It, I mean, what I'm saying, if I work or honest, okay, work, but I'm trying to answer your question. Okay. Can I
1: answer your question? Yes, sir. Okay. Like I said, you fight an uphill battle because we've been trained that it's okay to give multi-million dollar corporations billions of dollars in corporate welfare. But the minute a working class person that worked all their life asks for some health care or something, you know, uh, a decent housing or whatever. Oh, you, you ask for a handout. You ask for somebody, you know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You know, when in fact, we're constantly giving away giveaways to developers, to billionaires. Tax your way. The last tax break mainly benefited the rich, and people don't even realize
7: that. And well, if I'm you try to complain about it, agree with it, the working class you, well, people well, get mad at you. you. Under, I don't think you answered the question because you don't understand what I'm saying.
1: Okay, I guess I don't understand what you're saying. Okay, let me say All one right, more uh,
7: time so I can, Jason, see Jason. You understand. If, if, okay, if, sir, if call back mind. next
1: week. I don't understand what you're saying. All right, um, um, Alan, let's bring Alan up. Okay, Mark, I'm sorry.
8: Hey Tyrone, how you doing, man? All right, Mark, how's it going? I'm glad you started off like, like you did. Um, look, Tyrone, um I I was down there at, at the hearing that time and uh your your plan should have been in place where we could have been helping these young men that's in, in hard, hard places. Um with that being said, um we got, you know, I get so tired of people calling here. And, uh, you know, down and out people. We got hundreds, tens of thousands of, of black homeowners, black business owners that we don't support. You talk about having 37 uh, minority contractors that want to uh, train these young people and, and stuff like that.
1: And we talk uh, about people that, that need housing that can get it, working class people, at affordable rates. We're not talking about just any type of housing. We talk about housing you can actually afford. And that's the, that hasn't been the focus in the past few years when it comes to redevelopment. They want to build houses that cost three hundred thousand dollars, four hundred thousand okay. dollars living. Okay, then they want to pretend like they got affordable housing, which is required by law. When right. in fact, a lot of it's rental property, or it's uh um you know it 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 it's not at the same location. They 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 don't have to have it at the same location. There's all kinds of tricks they can use the loopholes get out of that, even though it's required hey, by law.
8: Sunday, I'm gonna deal with the uh, the racism. Sunday, um at five o'clock with me and my guest uh, Arthur. No land, no meal, no freedom. American apartheid uh the the president of black values guild, Mr. James, that's right. But um the the violence, man, I've been I was addicted. I was caught up in addiction fifteen years, been clean and sober, um, twenty nine, God praying and, and, and spiritual footwork uh get you wherever you need to be. And with that being said, fifty sixty thousand adults hooked on something. That's why ninety nine percent of these young people are in trouble, hard places um and stuff absolutely, like that
1: absolutely and i admire your work mark um you want to make a closing because we got a lot of calls and i wanted to get yeah, some more ahead, stuff out man. of my jobs um,
8: yeah go ahead and, and i want you know the, the police commissioner to get more support from the uh fop because he's not getting it take care
1: okay thank you sir oh um right, brother, jason Bye. we got a we got a lot of calls but for now what we're going to do is we're going to go to um they just hold just hold a second people Uh, We're going to go to uh, how John Hopkins was in on the depopulation of uh, the Middle East. Hopkins, because it was the big landlord.
5: It didn't happen by accident. Hopkins, because it was the big landlord, was kind of in on depopulating the place.
4: Absolutely. There's a whole literature on the broken window syndrome and abandonment, which shows that once you board one house on a block, you have set the decay of that block. And so what has been happening is because you have been taking a property and now let's say Hopkins has decided it wants to expand that block. Once you board that one house, people don't wanna live in a block that has a boarded up house because it brings trash. People start dumping things, you get rat infestation, you get drug dealing, you get crime. So there's all kinds of things that start happening. What does that do? That sends people who are in that block, if they can afford it, they leave. If they can't afford it, they stay. A lot of people who have stayed have been the ones who couldn't afford to leave, not all because some people have moved into Middle East Baltimore within the last 20 or 30 years. Some people moved in because that's the only place they may have been able to afford to move.
5: And We we interviewed some people on standing on the front verandas of their houses in in this area in East Mm -hmm. Baltimore, and a woman told us the story of a, a house kitty corner from her, And we asked, you know, we said we're journalists. We're going to be doing investigative work. She said, well, we asked, what would you like us to do? And she said, well, you find out what happened at that house. And she points to it and she says they did new electrical. They drywalled the place. It was all fixed up. And two weeks later, they boarded it up.
4: Mm.
1: Wow. So you see how John Hopkins was actually in on the uh, depopulation of the Middle East. So since they were landlords, major landlords, what they would do is stop letting the leases. And all of a sudden. And then, if this is to be believed what just transpired, they would board up the houses. And nothing, nothing's wrong with the house. They encourage people to leave. They encourage the depopulation of that neighborhood so they can get it for whatever they need it for. Um, let's put uh, Gene on. Jason, let's uh, put Gene on.
9: Hey, Tyrone. Yeah. Tyrone, you, got, you have to be really careful of the distractors, That guy with the Social Security call. It, that was a distraction call, man. But basically, Social Security, SS, um, Social Security Disability, you are allowed to work um, only a certain amount of hours. Thank you, Gene. Okay. And and, that, and uh, if you're blind like I am, you can work more hours than somebody else. Regular Social Security, if, when you turn 62, you can retire. But you have to wait until you're 67. That's the age that you can uh, retire where you can you don't have to work. I'm sorry. You can work as many hours as you want, but from 62 to 67, the number of hours that you work are restricted, and that's how that's how that works. Well, so you believe that's a
1: distraction, and I agree. Oh yeah.
9: Oh heck yeah. yeah. And I'm because, glad you called uh, in
1: because I'm not of that age where I can, you know.
9: Speak. Yeah, exactly. You can't speak. answer that yeah, question. Yeah, I'm not going to try to speak and, and tell and, you
1: something I I'm not sure yeah. about.
9: And, and and most people cannot because until you uh, enter into, the, into that Social Security age uh, period, Ragged, yeah. it, it, you know, it's just information that's just, just like the information that you're putting out there. It's information, information that's denied to us. Keep up the good work, man. Don't get distracted. bro.
1: Okay, thank you, sir. Uh, let's get Carlos up. Hey
10: brother, how you doing?
1: All right, Mr. Carlos, how you doing, sir?
10: Oh, good, 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 good. Uh, Gene, Gene uh, kind of stole my thunder, but uh, uh, he, he said all a lot of the information he gave out was correct on the Social Security that there, you know, that about the limitations on work and uh, being uh, allowed after you uh, after you reach maturity retirement and so forth. 60, I think it's sixty five for some and sixty seven for others. But what I wanted to really read really, the main point was that when you mentioned about watch out for the
1: right sp- he's uh, can you speak on ssdi huh uh, can you speak on ssdi uh carlos uh, uh
10: uh no no but uh i have a uh a relative of my family who uh works in social security so i'll ask her about that and i'll give you a call okay
1: i appreciate uh, that I I please give do call yeah yeah
10: just real quickly say that uh uh, you know, as uh, Elijah Muhammad would say, you know, watch out for the cunning devils. Africa, according to everybody that I have read, historians and so forth, John Henry Clark said, Africa has always been the richest continent in resources. In the universe. <laughs> but poor, But poor in leadership poor yeah. in leadership. Thank you. So it be it behooves it behooves uh uh, uh, uh nations uh, like uh, uh, um, Great Britain and uh, the United States and uh, and Europe to uh claim that Africa is poor. And, and that's all and, 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 and what happened. So they can go in and steal. <laughs> so they can give that's an excuse for them to steal. So uh just, just like you say, just watch out. Just watch out for the boomerang. Watch out for the old bama bama lamb, as they say. But, <laughs> right, right. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, I love it, man. It. Love it. That's
1: well, I appreciate you. Okay. Well, uh, we got a few more callers. Please, please, people, don't hang up. I want, I want to um, hear what you have to say, and I want you to share with the audience. But right now, what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to talk about why the evils of gentrification and why it has been identified as a form of oppression. And that would be number 19.
4: That's the way residents in Middle East describe this institution. There's a very long and uh, difficult history between this community and Hopkins, one that I think needs to be healed because this new project, this $1.8 billion project that's really a gentrification project, it will not not come to a good end. It's not a fair resolution to what has been happening, not just in the last 20 years. Now,
5: some of the people, not all, that were replaced Mm -hmm. through eminent domain, they were offered some kind of compensation to move, Mm -hmm. right? That's correct. So what happened?
4: Initially, when the plan was developed in 2000, uh, there was no plan for uh, people to come back. Uh, There was a plan that said uh, these households, these more than 800 households had to go. The majority of people found out that they have to go to the newspaper. I'm not exaggerating. I remember I was there in the church when residents gathered. It was so powerful. People were crying. People were screaming. People were angry. How could they be treated this way? How could no one call a meeting that, and, and share with them Or ask their opinion We're thinking of developing this place Do you want to steer? Do you want to go? People found out about it Through the newspaper In, in, in a church we, we gathered And people said Enough was enough At that moment Was when people said That was it This was the straw That had broken the camel's back
1: Okay That was Maricela Gomez She has a master of science From the University of Mexico Of New Mexico rather Newer and better Mexico A PhD from John Hopkins, a medical degree, an MD from John Hopkins. So she's a doctor as well, a medical doctor as well. And she has a Master of Public Health at John Hopkins University. So I think she knows just a little bit about what she's talking about. And I'm more inclined to believe her than John Hopkins <laughs> and all the cheery stuff they put out. Okay, so let's go to Alan.
11: I know I brought up Tyrone. You're the intelligent guy to bring up the plantation because I'm from down south. You know why? <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> Reverend plantation Jackson. Is no joke this, right. you know, You know, you know, Reverend Jackson said this. He said it many times. We ain't picking no cotton balls no more. We picking football. You know, you got <laughs> Colin Kaepernick. He's the educated one, four and those owners paid him eighteen million dollars. And they said, "Well, Jay Z, sell them out." We want you to make a profit for the NFL, but you better go get that $80 million, man, because they could have let Colin Kaepernick sit on the bench. They wrote a check for $80 uh, uh, $80 million, and they denied the man to work. They brought us here to America just to work, man. Now we're not picking (laughs) football. We're picking football. you figure that out?
1: They wasn't bringing to work?
11: Yeah, that it's called slavery.
1: We have full employment <laughs> back then. You know, I'm, I'm
11: gonna tell you. Read a book, and uh, uh, you know, down in uh, the Red Summer, Elaine, Arkansas, race ride in
1: 1919. Yeah, they had a it lot of race rides with by the way.
11: unions and low wages. They had a lot of race time. rides
1: by the way. Right. By, uh, around that time, uh, Tulsa happened in like 20, right. 1922, and then you had, um, you had uh, Rosewood yeah. happened about the same time. And then you had, they would have they would have riots, race riots, right. when, when uh, uh, Jack Johnson would want to fight.
11: Right, they would so race riots just because of that. Yeah, so. and this I said Colin Kaepernick Colin used his uh, his education. He said, "I'm under contract," but the owner said, "We paid this boy eighty million dollars, and he was just laying at the house and staying on Twitter." They used a JDZ and <laughs> said, make a profit. Don't get our eighty million dollars. They didn't make us a profit.
1: Well, I admire I admire people like Colin uh, Kaepernick. He's the closest right. thing we have to um, um, uh, Muhammad Ali a lot of uh-huh. our time. Right. And uh, this man stood up. He lost a lot uh-huh. of money behind it. But, see, guys the size of a Kelly Kaepernick are very intimidating. So he knows for a fact that he's more in danger from uh-huh. a police shooting him than, than the average guy. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times they shoot these unarmed black men out of fear. Uh-huh. So it's in his best interest to sta- stand up and say right. something, too. And uh, it's, in anybody's, it's in anybody's interest. And uh, it was never about the flag. Donald Trump, cleverly, being the common man he is, convinced everybody it was about the flag. That's uh-huh. nonsense. It was about police shooting on black men. And that's all it's ever been about.
11: And, and I'm um, saying, you know what? Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, That's why I said slavery was about dividing an educated black man with the field. He was dumb as a dodo bird. No, now, they kept day, slavery.
1: During the time of slavery, sir, it was against the law to teach black people how right, to do it. Right, right. They wanted to keep you in the dark. They don't want you to read about people like Spartacus and people that led slave rebellions because you might decide that, hey, I want my freedom, too. Once you start reading and understanding that you can be the equal of any man, you're not going to want to be a slave. And that's what Frederick Uh Douglass found out when when his mistress was teaching him how to read. She got caught and got beat by the master for teaching. That's right. And he explained you can't teach these slaves how to read because they become rebellious and they don't want to listen. Reason being is they realize that you're no better than they are.
6: That's why
11: they don't want to fund education. You know about these HBCUs a- a- and stuff. They don't want us to be, be better than them. That's what white nationalism is. I got a college degree, smart as a tech. I made four and all that stuff. That's why they don't want to fund a historical black college. We go into their college but wow. they get their tuition money and we not uh, you know, like professors and things. Look how much money you pay to get an education. All thing you gotta do is go on a tree like my grandma said, and read a book.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now yeah. I believe now you have people like Malcolm X who's self taught. Malcolm X right. uh, taught himself, and he can go to any, any university in the uh-huh. United States. Let me finish. He go to any university in the United States and find the smartest professor, debate that guy, and win. That's, That's right. how brilliant that man was. You know? All right, Doc. And
11: All Dr. right, King, thank
1: you, Doc. Oh, thank you. Thank you for calling. And Dr. King, by the way, had a formal education. He was still a genius, but he had a formal education. Malcolm X didn't have that. He was self-taught. And uh, that man was incredible. I mean, he was, he was a phenomenal, totally a phenomenal. And, uh, okay, let's get let's bring Bubby up. Bubby. Bubby, you're on. Bubby. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bubby. Your let you drop. Call back, man. All right. Let's put Charles up.
6: Yes, how you doing?
1: All right, sir. How's it going, Charles? Well, how's it going there?
6: It's always doing great. You know, the, <laughs> Lord, the Lord is up there blessing us every day. Absolutely. But um, to get to your point, you know, we do allow others to speak for us. And that's part of the problem. You know, it is our responsibility to speak for ourselves.
1: Okay. This is your opportunity, Charles, to speak for yourself. I'm yeah. going to listen. Go ahead.
6: Yeah. Every time we allow others to speak for us, they don't have our interests at heart. they don't have our vote or or our interest on the ballot
1: but they you they know, assume we assume that they have our best interest at heart go on no right.
6: no 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 no, see that's what i'm talking about yeah, we i don't i don't I do not assume that they have our interest at heart Not you i per believe. Say, but- we as no, elect- no, no! I'm talking about me. <laughs> I, I, don't assume that they have our interests at heart. Okay. I know that they're out to get us. And every time we allow them to have the power of our say, they are speaking for us. They speak against us, and that, in 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 fact, is the problem. You know, you don't have lawyers that come up and speak up for you anymore on these issues. You don't have advocates that come up and speak for you on these issues. People feign like they're going to speak for you, but they actually do the opposite and you wind up in a worse situation. So why aren't our issues on the ballot so you can vote for them like, you know, the voting system should be?
1: I um, I agree with you. Actually, um, believe it or not, Charles, I, it should be on the ballot, but we have no control over what's on the ballot.
6: Why don't As you a, have control over what's on the ballot if you're a voter and the voting is about you, if the politicians work for you? Why don't you have control?
1: Because I don't run voters' registration. And if I did, you know, and if I had my my um, druthers, I would actually vote. have that stuff on the ballot, just like you said. Now, we did launch a petition for what we were trying to do, and it was signed by 1,000 people before we um, decided, you know, that that was enough. and, and, saying, and that, are let me you finish, saying that you, We were okay. saying that, and we, did we still continue to say— a 1,000 people on a petition asking for loans for working-class people, and you got to think about it, but yet you'll give a loan to one billionaire, $650 million. We could have did 6,000 houses with that money, and you'll give right. a loan to a billionaire, you'll throw it at his feet. He ain't got to beg for it. Here we are testifying, you know, getting approved by City Hall and all this other stuff, and we still got to wait for you to give us the okay for 1,000 people, Not you, not not give, but but alone. We
6: ain't got to wait for anything. All you have to do is demand what you want, and we don't demand anything. See, we sit back and wait because we're being coddled by our gatekeepers and by the masses. We have to demand what we want. We got to state an agenda. Everything that we're not doing, we're not planning properly. All we're doing is sitting back waiting for something to drop in our laps.
1: Okay, well, we need. Okay, well, I, I agree. Well, we need to take action instead of just sitting around talking about but, how. But we
6: every work. time we try to take action, we get cut off and people say, well, we're doing this, we're doing. No, we need to take action. What did Jay Z say? Action. We've been kneeling already, so when does the action start?
1: Well, um, so give us your closing comments, and uh, all I can say okay, is that okay. we've got to galvanize around the cause. Today and right now, what I'm, saying, day, what I'm saying to you is, is. the
6: first day of the rest a, of your life. What you I'm saying to it. you,
1: Charles, is that there are thousands of vacant houses. And in the city, we have a lack of affordable housing. For every, design. Let me finish. Let me finish. For every 100 families that are looking for affordable housing, there's only 42 units. We have a By lack design. of um, jobs in Santa Winchester. We have a 50% unemployment By rate, design. which is feeding the violence. Okay? We could use those houses as an economic engine. Not only to, to provide affordable housing as a gold mine, but, but jobs at affordable wages, uh uh and uh generational create pre generational But, but You're wealth talking the about process. ifs.
6: You're talking about ifs, you're not talking I'm about, not talking about ifs, doing. I'm talking You'd about what can happen. What can if, happen? That's, that's if we all went
1: down to City Hall right now and settled somebody's God, death, if we God all went down to City you Hall, okay, well, we want to we keep talking on the radio, but if, I, didn't, I didn't see you down at City Hall when we were down there. I saw, Charles, I didn't see you down God, you
6: there. Because you didn't pack. ask God to have me down there. You should have asked God. You should have prayed to God to have Charles right, okay, down at City um, Hall. All right. Thank you, Charles,
1: Thank for calling. Have a blessed day. Have a blessed day. All right. Okay, so... As we were saying before, um, J- Johns Hopkins played a direct role in the in um that Middle East section of Baltimore. A lot of people think that that stuff happened by accident or because of crime rate or whatever. But it was actually social engineering uh, conducted by Johns Hopkins to get it to be that way, you know, by boarding up houses and not re, um, not uh, letting the leases again to people and letting people out of their leases and, and things of that nature. So what we're gonna talk about ultimately is what, about segregation in the 21st century. And, and are these demolitions safe in the first place?
4: And they'd come back and they would be dem- demolition. And, it, and I, I went into these homes, the floors would be covered with lead dust. Uh, in a community where researchers from Hopkins had shown that when you did demolition of the houses in that community, that the dust was was more than likely going to be led us that it would affect the houses within a certain perimeter from the area even with that knowledge there was unsafe demolition going on and we stopped that. Um, we wanted them to make sure that they relocated people before they started demolition. So that was a really, really big victory. And for one residents. of the stories
5: you told me is that when people were offered this moving money, mm. they were told you have to move to another poor black area. In other yeah. words, you can't move into a white area or something else, mm. you had to go further into East Baltimore.
4: That's right, it was incredible. And you know, when I tell people this, um, and, and again, this is one of the reasons this book was written, is that all these things that happened was just swept under the carpet as if it didn't happen, but it happened. The first plan said that you could get your relocation benefit, which is by law, you have to receive using eminent domain, but you could only get it if you moved into this area that was just peripheral, which was no different. And in five years or 10 years, it would be exactly the same as the one you're moving out of. And mind you, the law states that if you use eminent domain, the person has to be relocated into one that's socioeconomically better than the one you're moving out of. All law and everything being there, this is what, that, this is what happened. And we challenged that. We said, no, you can't do that. This is segregation again in, in, in the 21st century.
1: Oh, uh, race, uh, class and, uh, organizing and, uh, and, oh, I don't no, Don't quote me on that. I'll I, I talk about here. It's a long name, <laughs> Sorry. but, um, I would have to, I would have to look at my references. So, um, she did write a book. Uh, um, her name, the lady's name is Marciela Gomez. She has a master of science at, from the university of New Mexico. She has a PhD and MD. So she's a real doctor. And she has a, um, a real uh, medical doctor. And she has a Master's of Public Health at John Hopkins University. So she knows more about what John Hopkins has been doing than any individual on the face of the earth. Okay, and that's why I thought it would be pertinent to use her research at, as a for this show. So, And 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 I think it, it, it served its purpose quite well. So if you don't believe me, take it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Okay, so let's bring Marvin up.
12: Good morning.
1: Yeah, good morning, Marvin.
12: Yeah, uh, what I wanted to say uh, is that have you ever noticed that the reason that not necessarily the reason, but have you ever noticed why we have so many problems that everything we do, everything we come for, everything we stand for, because this unity, I mean,
1: this unity, huh? Marvin, this unity, yeah, lack of unity.
12: You are right. You, write it, you write it, unity is a big part.
1: And right. it, it's a, definitely a pot. That was Mar- but, Marcus Garvey's biggest strength was unity. Uh, he got a bunch yeah, of, he I mean, got the masses of black people together for an effort. And uh, uh, they were about businesses. They were about a steamship line called the black star line and all kinds of things developed out of that, out of that materialized out of that organizational effort. Do you pan after the unity? He had, he had um, chapters in different countries where black people domiciled. So it wasn't just in the United States. That was a 40 nation effort of Pan Africanism.
12: Yeah. You kind of took uh, even, some of the words out of my mouth when you right. said unity. Right. That was exactly what I was
1: going after. Right, because, because even in Baltimore, think about this Baltimore is 62% black. We're 29% white. And mm-hmm. then we're, it's the rest is others. So why are we letting, yeah. and then white people control, let's be truthful, white people control this city through the business community. Yeah. Why are we letting that happen when our biggest right, strength yeah. is numbers? We just don't have any. me tell you.
12: Let me tell you why that happened. Because see,
1: we don't have
12: unity. <laughs> it all comes back again to unity. Yeah, like you said, unity. And like I said, to my mouth it was right. Now, unity means that, you see, I hate to say things, but I got to say them anyway.
1: Unity means that people. Right, we coming like we up on the hour? Uh, you got to make it quick because we're about to close the show. Okay. Go ahead.
12: Uh, well, look, out. unity means Please. like the people, like the white people, own everything, have everything. They're unity. But the black people are not unity like that. You see what I'm saying? That's why the white people control everything because every time you turn around a building and making things, we ain't making nothing but trouble with ourselves. You see what I'm saying? so. That's not, true. That's not entirely true,
1: sir. Black people have been inventing things since the dawn, of, even when they were slaves. So look at uh, um, the, the uh, oh God, um, people like... face the facts. Well, let me... Um, people like uh, George Washington Carver, okay? Uh-huh. All the events he, well, he made, was Lewis was Latimer... Thin. You know, he invented he uh, the light bulb. We, uh, we had a black man invent the street light. I mean, we have all kinds of things that we've developed that other people yes, have stolen.
12: What are, what are people showing there today? What are they showing there? Violence and killing one another. You well, know what we got not, to
1: do? Well, I'll tell you I'll tell you what. Um, We do need to work on that. We do need to work on yes, that. But see, so let me so finish. Let me finish, let me finish sir. That? Let me finish. All right. 60% of the violence. You look this up. 60% of the arrests for violent crimes. Are, uh, those arrests are on white people, 60% of them, white men and women. Look it up. Google that. So That's the delusion so is We got nothing to do with that. that. We got something to do with the let black community. I know we deal with the black community, but the delusion is that we don't deserve anything based on the fact that—we don't deserve decent housing, based on the fact that we're too damn violent. And we're not the only violent people in this nation. We don't commit we, all we, the murders. We commit about—we commit too many of them. We commit about half.
12: Look how we're losing from
1: our violence though. Huh? Look how we're losing. Look how we're embarrassing ourselves. I'm embarrassed we ain't by getting it. But, with but this. I'm not gonna say that means we're not deserving of anything, of fair of justice, of fair housing. We because deserve- of, we got a few people. Let me finish. We got okay. a few people that's doing that. I'm not murdering anybody, neither you. So let's stop that. We're not all doing that. So, uh, okay, this concludes another exciting edition of the Call Tyrone show. And people, people don't let's not believe that our entire race is violent. And, and and we can't accomplish anything. Let's stay away from that negative attitude because we've accomplished a lot for an enslaved people that just got their freedom. And 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 we still are uh, uh living, dealing with the vestiges of Jim Crow. So let's
12: right now, sir. I respect you. But the what, way our people is moving right Jason.
1: now. All right, so this concludes another exciting edition of the Call Tyrone Show. Stay positive and stay and think unity there's no power under god more powerful than unity and purpose thank you for your time
6: WOLB Baltimore and WERQ-FM HD3 Baltimore. Brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel.